Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. If you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app on your smartphone, go ahead and uh, open it up to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Today is the final week of this kind of start of fall series called Spiritual Warfare. And if you uh, are just joining us, let me kind of give you a quick kind of recap of where we've been. In the first week of this series, we recognize this important truth, this important thought, that even though we live in a very real physical world, um, that we are also involved in this really, really important spiritual world that exists all around us where there is this battle that's raging on. And we also learned that we don't do battle against other people, that our enemy, our opponent is not flesh and blood, it's not other people, but it's against the powers and principalities of darkness that exist in the spiritual world. In, in week two, we, we talked about the reality of the Holy Spirit and what the role of the Holy Spirit, this third part of the Trinity of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what the role the Spirit has in the life of those who consider themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ. And then last week, we got a little bit creepy and we talked about Satan and his demons and we looked at the reality of demonic forces and our spiritual enemy, our real enemy, Satan, whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And many of you know that during this series, um, I I guess I attempted to show you guys a practical example of of all of this kind of stuff as my family has uh, spent the last two weeks um, with my dad on a, on a ventilator, is battling a severe case of pneumonia. Um, he is off the ventilator now, got off a couple days ago, but he is still recovering at, at Maine Med right now. But I, I think even that just reminds me, it reminds hopefully us, that none of us are immune to spiritual warfare in our life. None of us are immune to storms in this life. I mean, in fact, God clearly tells us in Scripture that in this world, you will have trouble. We're not promised that everything in life is always going to be roses and and run smooth, that we're going to face storms and we're going to face trials. But God goes on to say that we don't have to walk in fear because through Jesus, he has overcome the world and that he walks with us even through the storms of life, which I think is so encouraging um, and it really can give us peace. Now, today... We're going to wrap up this series by looking at God's spiritual beings known as angels. Because so many people don't really understand the role of angels in our lives. And a lot of people, I think they get their beliefs about angels from Hollywood and from media and TV shows and and movies and things like that. For example, how many of you ever watched the really popular television show in the 90s called Touched by an Angel. Can you raise your hand if you've ever seen Touched? Okay, a lot of you have seen Touched by an Angel. I used to watch it growing up. Um, Very heartwarming show, right? Really positive messages in it. And so a lot of people now think that angels are actually women with British accents. They believe that, right? There was also some big movies that came out about angels. Uh, Disney released a movie called Angels in the Outfield. Anybody remember Angels in the Outfield? Like, who doesn't love Doc Brown from Back to the Future as an angel, right? And then there's a movie that some would say is probably the most theologically accurate about angels. It's a movie called Michael, where John Travolta is depicted as a beer-drinking angel who wore wife beaters, okay? Okay. Just joking about the biblical accuracy on that one. 
And then there's one of my favorite all-time Christmas movies, other than Will Ferrell's Elf and Die Hard, which I would argue is a Christmas movie. But my favorite classic Christmas movie is this one, It's a Wonderful Life. Do any of you like It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. I heard some cheers out there. Uh, some of you hate this movie. Uh, you all need Jesus if, uh, if that's you out there this morning. But it's a great movie. And I, I tear up watching this movie every time. Um, but what did this movie teach us about angels? Well, it taught us that there are angels. There's at least one. And his name is what? Clarence. That's right. And we also learned from this movie that every time a bell rings, what happens? An angel gets its wings. So a lot of people get their beliefs about angels from Hollywood. Uh, We also get images of angels from famous works of art, okay? Uh, Some of you have maybe even gotten a card once, maybe on Valentine's Day or something like that, of a little uh, naked, bald-headed baby angel playing a harp while sitting on a cloud, right? And so some people think that angels are actually little naked babies with no hair, chilling on a cloud, shooting arrows, when truthfully, that's not what Scripture says that angels are like at all. And then there are some people who believe, and this is a rather common belief, um, I don't mean to make, make fun of you if this is something that you grew up hearing, but some people believe that if one of your relatives passes on, then they go to heaven and become an angel, and they're kind of your guardian angel, and they're watching over you. That's what a lot of people believe. So if grandma passes away, they believe, well, grandma's watching over me as an angel, which I don't know about you, but I think I've said this before, that I think there are certain times in my life where I really wouldn't want grandma watching over me. That'd be a little bit creepy, okay? Uh, but thankfully, those ideas about angels are just not true. Grandma doesn't become an angel. We need to understand that according to Scripture, if we actually look at what the Bible says on this topic, angels are God's servants, They are created supernatural beings created by God for his glory. They do the work and the bidding of God. And what's amazing is these spiritual beings are so fierce. I mean, they're so powerful and so fierce. They could wipe out an army of a thousand men in an instant like that. And yet they're also so tender and so caring and so gentle that they can protect and comfort a single small child who's in need. So angels are messengers and spiritual beings of God. Now what's interesting is um, there are angels probably all around us, even right now in the spiritual world. And what's hard for my mind to grasp is there are many times that angels even show up, maybe in our lives, just looking like normal people. And that's kind of far out for me, but when we look at Scripture, there are several examples of this actually occurring in Scripture. In fact, it happens back-to-back in the Bible in Genesis chapters 18 and 19. There are two accounts of angels appearing as people and people not even realizing it. In Genesis 18, Abraham, Father Abraham, was, was hanging out by a tree. His tent was pitched, and three guys show up, and they say, hey, what's going on? And these three guys were actually spiritual beings. They were angels from heaven. And Abraham, he thought they were just regular guys, regular visitors walking by. And so he yells into his tent. He's like, hey, Sarah. And Sarah was his wife. And he's like, Sarah, we got company. Make your famous bread. Let's feed these guys. But he didn't even realize that there were angels right in front of him. And then in the very next chapter, something very similar happens to Abraham's nephew, whose name is Lot. And Lot met two guys one day. 
And he thought they were just strangers. And he knew the town that he lived in was a really rough town. I mean, there was a lot of not so great stuff happening there. And he's like, why don't you guys come spend the night at my house because it'll be a lot safer for you. And so he invited them over to his place and he says, hey guys, you want to stay with me for the night? But what he didn't realize was that staring right there in front of him were two angels from God. In fact, Hebrews 13 says this very specifically, very, very specifically in verse two. And here's what scripture says in Hebrews 13 too. It says, do not forget to entertain strangers for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. So who exactly are angels? Again, angels are spiritual beings created by God for God's glory. That's what scripture teaches us that angels are. Who are angels? Angels are basically three things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, angels are described in scripture as being worshipers. Angels are worshipers. Wherever you find God, you will find angels worshiping him. In fact, Scripture says this in Hebrews 1, 6. It says, And then, when God presented his honored son to the world, he said, Let all the angels of God worship him. What do angels do? They worship God. They worship Jesus. In Revelation, we see the angels of God uh, worshiping around his throne, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. How different do you guys think our worship would look like if all of us grasped the magnitude of how great God truly is the way his angels do? How would that transform the way that we worship? I mean, it's unfortunate, but I think many people give greater worship on Sunday afternoon cheering their NFL team than they do their creator. Number one, Angels are worshipers. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Number two is this, that angels are warriors. Angels are described in Scripture as being warriors. They're fierce warriors battling on behalf of God. Just like in Daniel 10, which we, we studied a few weeks ago. If you remember, Daniel had prayed. He had this fervent prayer to God. And then to Daniel, it seemed like maybe God missed it. Maybe God didn't hear his prayer because God was silent, like weeks went by, and there was no evidence that God was even moving. But then 21 days later, an angel shows up and says, Daniel, since you first began to pray, I've been trying to get here, but I, I was stopped, and I was doing battle against this, this entity, this demonic force, uh, this prince of Persia. And finally, Michael, the archangel, came and, and, and handled, jumped in the battle and began to fight so that I could escape and I could reach you, Daniel. Chronicles 21 shows a time when David looked up and he saw suspended between heaven and earth, he saw this angel holding a sword, this mighty angel with the sword held over Jerusalem. And God said to the angel, I want to have compassion on them. Put the sword away. These are my people. I want to have compassion on them. And the angel obeyed God. Angels are warriors. Here's what it says in Revelations 12, 7. It says, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, which is Satan, and the dragon and his angels, the demons, fought back. So what are angels? Number one, church angels are worshipers. Number two, 
Angels are mighty warriors. They're warriors. And then number three is this. Angels are messengers. Angels are messengers. Over and over and over again in Scripture, when you see an angel show up, they often show up with a message from God. And there's a great example of this in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. There was a guy named Gideon who was very afraid. He considered himself to be a weakling. He considered himself to be the weakest member of the the weakest tribe of Israel. He was scared to death of this group, this horrible group of thugs called the Midianites. And he was hiding from them. He was so scared that he was hiding from them. And then this happened in Judges 6.12. It says this, that, that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What happened? An angel of God shows up to Gideon, gives him a message, God is with you. Gideon, you might think you're weak. You might think you're the weakest of your clan, but I have a message for you. God is with you. You can win this battle because the Lord is with you. You are a mighty warrior. You are not alone. There's a famous message delivered by an angel that happens in the Christmas story. You guys know this, an angel shows up, right, to a teenage girl named Mary with this message. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child. You're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Later, after Jesus was born, an angel of the Lord appeared with the greatest news ever, saying, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Remember, a whole chorus of heavenly hosts shows up to the shepherds out in the fields. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So what are angels? They're worshipers, they're warriors, and they're messengers. So that's who angels are. Now let's try to deal with this question. What do they do? If that's who angels are, then what do they do? And is it even relevant to us in our lives and in this world? Well, now let's look briefly at three big things that angels do. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, angels can give us direction in life. Angels can give direction. If any of you are like me, you might be a little bit directionally challenged, okay? I I, I like um, apps like Waze. I think it's like one of the greatest inventions of all time. Um, and, And like Waze or a GPS, angels can come and they can sometimes guide you and direct you in life, give you direction. For example, we, we looked at the story of Mary, right, just a moment ago. And we found out that, that she was told she was going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Well, Mary also had a significant other. Do you guys remember his name? Joseph, that's right. She had a fiancé whose name was Joseph. And you can only imagine Joseph's response when Mary comes up to him and says, guess what, I'm going to be a mom. And he's like, that's awesome, but I didn't participate in that, okay? I wasn't there. And so she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But no, no, Joseph, here's the cool part. It's from the Holy Spirit of God. And Joseph is going, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Mary, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying it. I think we're going to need Maury Povich to do a DNA test because I'm pretty sure that you cheated on me. And so he did what many other guys in his position would do. He planned on breaking things off with her. He he was going to, he didn't want to disgrace her. He still loved her, but he was going to quietly kind of end their engagement. But God then sent one of his heavenly messengers in a dream to give Joseph direction. 
Here's what it says in Matthew 1.20. It says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. An angel of God appeared and gave him direction when he was lost, when he didn't know what to do, when he was contemplating a wrong decision, an angel of the Lord came and gave him direction. There's another great example of this in the book of Numbers chapter 22 in a very funny um, yet powerful story. There, there was a guy by the name of Balaam and he got up one morning and he saddled his donkey and he went out with the princes of Moab and God didn't want him to do that. This was a bad decision on his part. So God sent an angel of the Lord to stand in the road and oppose him and redirect him. The problem was Balaam couldn't see the angel, but his donkey could. And when the, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, this little donkey, she turned off the road. So here we have Balaam riding on his faithful little friend donkey. Donkey sees this fierce, fiery angel holding this sword and thinks, sorry, Balaam, I don't want any of that. And little donkey veers off the road and into a field. And Balaam was not happy about this. He's feeling embarrassed by this donkey. And so he, he gets off the donkey and bam, he starts to beat the tar out of his little donkey. He starts whipping donkeys like bad donkey, bad donkey. And so donkey starts moving again. But then a few minutes later, the angel shows up a second time and blocks the donkey again. And so this time the donkey turns into the side of a mountain and Balaam's foot gets jammed against the side of this mountain. Well, this time, Balaam is madder than you can imagine. I mean, this guy's on fire now. So he gets off the donkey, and once again, bam, 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 he starts whipping this poor little donkey's butt, going, bad donkey, bad donkey, bad donkey. And finally, he gets on the donkey a third time. But again, the donkey sees this big, fierce angel blocking their path again. And finally, donkey's like, heck no, and just lays down on the ground and won't move. The donkey's like, that's it. I'm not going another step. And now Balaam is, again, he's, he is so hot. He's literally on fire, and he gets off the donkey again and starts beating the snot out of this poor, cute little donkey. And eventually, evidently, God felt sorry for the donkey. And so he did something really cool. He opened up the donkey's mouth, and he allows the donkey to speak. And the donkey said this. Fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. That was the other donkey. Sorry, that was a different, different story, different talking donkey. But this donkey, this donkey said, Balaam, man, I thought we were buddies. Haven't I been your faithful little donkey for all these years, taking you where you want to go, carrying what you wanted me to carry? Now, now, this is crazy. The, the crazy part of the story is Balaam doesn't even pause when that happens. He doesn't even pause and go, dang, talking donkey, that's pretty cool. He's just so mad, he starts screaming back at the donkey, okay? And, and he's just yelling at the donkey. And then all of a sudden, God opens Balaam's eyes so he can look in the road 
And he sees this mighty angel with the sword and he's like, oh crap. And he falls on his face, onto the ground, onto his face before this angel of God. And then the angel spoke to him. And it's really interesting what he said. The angel said this. The angel said, Shrek, I mean Balaam, if you'd gone any further, I was going to kill you. Not the donkey. Everybody likes the donkey, okay? Now, if Balaam was riding a cat, <laughs> would have been a different story, right? Angel would have wiped puss in boots off the face of the earth, okay? But here we see this guy wanting to go in the wrong direction, traveling in the wrong direction, and we see an angel that comes to stop him, to block his way, and to redirect him. There may be times in your life where you're just hell-bent on doing something that maybe even in your heart of hearts you know is not right, that you know is not leading you towards God, it's leading you further away, but you just want to do it. You just want to do it, you want to do it, you want to do it. And you start hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. What could it be? Perhaps it's an angel of the Lord redirecting you off of the wrong path back onto a right one. What do angels do? Number one, they can give direction. Number two is this, angels can protect you from danger. Angels can protect you from danger. Now, occasionally people will ask, do I have a guardian angel? Does everyone have a guardian angel in their life who just kind of protects them? Well, truthfully, Scripture never says definitively one way or the other that everyone has a guardian angel. But here's what the Bible says. Here's what it does say. In Psalm 91, 11 to 12, it says this. It says, for God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Angels can protect us from danger in our lives. In Acts chapter 12, there's an account of God sending an angel to rescue Peter from prison. And Peter said, beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has sent a supernatural being to rescue me. You never know. There may be a time in your life where one day you say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that God has sent a supernatural being to protect me. I've talked to a lot of people over the years with incredible stories of survival who've said, Pastor, I know there was an angel that was involved that protected me. In my life, I, I, I do have one such incident that happened to me. I was in a, a very serious car accident when I was a little kid in elementary school. My mom almost died. Um, it was raining and there was a big truck behind us and it was flashing its high beams at us and my mom decided to, to kind of pull over to let the truck go by onto the shoulder. But what she didn't realize was it was, it was a pretty steep, um, you know, kind of hill on the edge of that shoulder and the car hydroplaned on some leaves on the shoulder and we wound up going down the hill, off the road, into a ditch and we hit a tree head on. And the engine of the car caught on fire and my mom was knocked unconscious. The steering wheel plunged into her chest. She broke her sternum and every single one of her ribs were fractured. I was kind of thrown in, around in the back of the car. My seatbelt actually broke. Luckily, I did not have any broken bones. I was pretty bruised up. 
And when I kind of came to in the back seat of the car, um, I got out of the car and try as I might, I could not open my mom's door. I couldn't open the door to the front seat of the car and I started to panic as a little kid. It was raining, it was dark, it was at night, the engine was on fire. I ran out into the middle of the road and a car pulled over. And three of the biggest guys I had ever seen in my life got out of this car. They looked like they could have been like Patriot football players, okay? And they went up to my mom's car, to the car, and they actually ripped the door off of the side of the car. And they pulled my mom out and they told me, I remember them saying, we're right here with you, the ambulance is coming. And when the ambulance showed up, I turned around and they were gone. No sign of them at all, as soon as the ambulance got there. So if you ask me my opinion by faith, I absolutely believe that there are angels all around us and they may be protecting us even when we don't realize it. You never know how many times God has done something supernaturally to protect you or those you love. So what do angels do? They can direct, they can protect, and then number three, angels can do this. Angels can minister to you. Angels can minister to you. In fact, scripture says this in Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? They're ministering spirits. In fact, we studied a couple weeks ago about Jesus when he was tempted by Satan three times. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and he was physically exhausted. And the enemy shows up and begins to tempt him three different times. And Jesus fights him off every time using the word of God, the sword of the spirit as a weapon to combat the lies of Satan. And there he was just physically mentally, emotionally, completely exhausted from this very intense spiritual battle with the devil. And the Bible says that after Satan flees, that an angel showed up and began to minister to Jesus. The angel strengthened him. Angels can strengthen you even now in your life. Some of you may be facing a challenge in your marriage where you think, I'm just never gonna be able to get through this. An angel of the Lord can come and give you strength and hope. Some of you may, you may be facing temptation and you think, I'm never gonna overcome this sin. I'm just trapped in this habitual sin over and over and over again and this cycle of guilt and anger and sin and guilt and anger and sin. And God may send a ministering angel and give you strength and fill you with his spirit and help you to overcome the temptation of that sin. Some of you, you may be physically or spiritually exhausted and God may send an angel to give you strength. If I'm being transparent with you guys, um, this last year has been one of the most grueling years that I can remember in 25 years of pastoral ministry. Trying to, to pastor a church in the midst of a global pandemic, having our kids homeschooled and hybrid learning, my parents both battled COVID-19 and other illnesses, were hospitalized for weeks. Health issues I've had to deal with in my own life. The, the stress and, and me trying to work to make changes in my life, things like trying to lose weight and get healthy and all these kinds of things have been difficult. And, and so several weeks ago, I, I had a setback. I had um, a severe kidney stone attack and I woke up in crippling pain. 
and I went to the emergency room over at Main Med, and it scared me. I mean, the weekend was coming. I still had so much stuff that I had to get done for church, and, and I just prayed, God, will you please do something right now? Will you please do something to help me to get through this? And guess what? He did. And, and, and a wind of strength just came into my life, and it, it allowed me to push through and, and still get everything I needed to done. The same thing happened this past week. I mean, we faced, our family faced a severe medical crisis with my dad, and I was emotionally and physically spent as he was on a ventilator for, for like 10 days. And all we could do was pray and lean on the people around us. You know, my family, my friends, my church family, my small group community. And I can't prove it, but maybe an angel of the Lord came and poured out strength when we had none left on our own because we were able to get through. Number one, angels can direct you. Number two, angels can protect you. And number three, angels can minister to you when you feel like you have nothing left. So as we end today and as we close out this series, let me recap a little bit about what we've learned. We've learned that while we live in a physical world, there is an equally real and perhaps even more important spiritual world around us where the forces of light, the kingdom of God, battles against the forces of darkness and the plans of the evil one. And we battle in this, in this spiritual world, we battle not against people, not against flesh and blood. Other people are not our enemy, but we battle against the principalities and powers of this dark world. And, and we're also given spiritual weapons by God to carry into this battle. There's the helmet of salvation where we remember who we are in Christ, the breastplate of righteousness where we can make God first in our life and we can strive to live a life of holiness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace, where we can have a supernatural peace from God, even going through the storms of life because we know that we're not alone, that God is with us. And we have the sword of the spirit. We have the word of God that we can carry anytime, anywhere, about anything. And the great news is this, that, that we don't fight this battle hoping for a victory. We already know what happens, right? Jesus has already won the victory. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And the same power that rose Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God can live in us, can fill us, so that we can grow to be more and more and more like Jesus, as we walk in this incredible personal relationship with our Heavenly Father, day by day and step by step. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Christ, then greater is the one who is in you than the one who's in the world. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you already have victory over the evil one who's in this world. Call on God, depend on him, and supernaturally he will sustain you and bring you his ultimate and his perfect victory. Can we pray, church, with heads bowed, eyes closed? Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done and are doing in ways we don't even understand. God, we thank you that you are the ultimate victor and that in the end, your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know there are a lot of us right now, and if we're really being real and transparent, who would say, I need a supernatural touch from God. I need that in my life right now. There's some of you that, that you were totally engaged with the things of God before, but maybe you've just drifted and God feels distant and you need a supernatural touch from God. You need that relationship restored. There are others of you that in your physical body right now or in the life of somebody you love, things are not right. You or someone you love needs a supernatural touch from God. Some of you, you're, you're ready to give up on something. You're ready to quit on something in your life that you know that God doesn't want you to give up on. And you need the supernatural natural strength of God to be able to carry on. Some of you need strength to draw near to God, to resist the evil one. You're fighting off some area of temptation in your life. And you just need the supernatural strength of God so the evil one will flee from you. Others of you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you. You've got some tough decisions going on in life. You don't know what to do. You need God to speak to you, to give you clarity and direction. You need a supernatural touch from God. So if any of those things are true, if you're, if you're here this morning, if you're watching online this morning, and you just would acknowledge today, yes, pastor, I need a supernatural touch from God in my life. If that's you today, would you just boldly lift your hand right now and say, that's me, would you pray for me? God, I just want you to know I need you. I need a supernatural touch from you in my life. Praise God. Praise God. So many people this morning with courage and boldness to admit that. God, I thank you and I praise you that you are a supernatural God, that you are all-knowing, that you're all-powerful, that you're ever-present, that you know the hair, every single hair on every single head in this room today, Father God. You know our exact situation in life. You know the struggles that people are facing. And the amazing thing is that you care, that it matters to you. There's no request that's too big. There's no concern that's too small in your eyes that you love your children and you care about us and you understand the detail of every situation that your children are facing. So God, on behalf of your children today, I pray and ask that you would work supernaturally in our lives. God, that you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit that would be our guide and our comforter and our strength. God, we pray for protection, that you would put your angels around us, Lord God. Protect us and our families from harm. And for the parents here, you would, you would give us supernatural ability to raise our kids in a way that is right and true and godly. And for those who are straying, we pray that you would block their way from harm, that you would direct them back to your perfect will. God, we pray for physical healing. We pray for marriages. We pray for supernatural hope and, and miracles in a way that only you can do. 
And God, we thank you ahead of time of all that you're doing and all that you're gonna continue to do. We believe you're a good God, deserving of all glory and honor and praise. God, please touch your people right now. While we continue to pray this morning, as we've been going through this series, some of you right now, you might be recognizing that there is a very real battle going on for your life. That there is a supernatural battle that is going on right now for your future. There are some of you, and if you would be very honest this morning, you would acknowledge that you're not walking with God right now. But strangely, you've been feeling drawn to him. You've been feeling pulled towards him. And let me tell you what that is. That is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God doing his job. That is God's pervenient grace, the grace that comes before drawing you, pulling you to the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. And here's what you need to know. Your spiritual enemy, Satan, does not want you to ever surrender your life fully to God. So the moment you think about taking a next step towards God, you're going to hear voices in your head that say, don't do that. That's stupid. Religion is dumb. You're not ready for that. You're too messed up in your life. Do it later. There's plenty of time later. There's a battle going on for your soul right now. And understand this, Jesus The Son of God lived a perfect life and willingly died on the cross, was buried and rose again so that you could be right and restored in your relationship with God, your heavenly Father, the God who loves you, the God who adores you, the God who's ready to meet you exactly where you are and calls you into a personal relationship with him. He's praying for you right now, praying that you will decide, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, take my life. I give it to you. Because when you decide that, all your sins will be forgiven and you will be made brand new. And you'll be filled with the spirit of God and you will never, ever, ever be the same. So if that's your prayer today, I I, I wanna pray with you. And you can pray this prayer out loud if you like. You can come to this altar if you want to, and you can pray if you like. You can pray right where you're at. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's simply a way to to articulate and convey what God is speaking to you right now in your mind, in your heart. But if that's you, if you're at that crossroads moment in your life, I wanna encourage you to pray. I believe this is the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life. Would you pray this, Heavenly Father, Thanks for loving me. Thanks for meeting me exactly where I am. God, I acknowledge today I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Today, I want to move my faith off of myself and what I've done and onto my savior, Jesus, and what he's done for me. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you all the days of my life. I believe you died for me, Jesus, so I could live for you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Now you can have mine. Help me to walk with you 
in a personal relationship, day by day, step by step, for the rest of my life and into eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise God, church. Can we celebrate some decisions made today? If you made a decision for Christ today, please don't keep that a secret. If you're watching online, you can write in and let us know. We would love to hear about that and support you because we really believe that's the first step in an incredible adventure with God. If you're here this morning and you made that decision, I'm sure there's probably somebody who came with you today or somebody in here you know. Let them know right now. They would love, I guarantee you, they would love to celebrate that next step that you've made. Let us stand together as we continue to sing and celebrate what God is doing. Again, the altars are open. If someone needs to come forward and you need to pray at these altars, you're welcome to do so. Let's sing together. Sing this with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
that you are the God who is for us, that you're the God who loves us, that you're the God who invites us into a personal relationship with you. You're the God who loves us so much that you sent your son into this world who willingly gave up his life on the cross to pay the price for all of our wrongs, for all of our sins, so that we could be restored into a relationship with you. Not just that we could be people who are forgiven, but that we are people who could become a new creation and adopted into your family as sons and daughters of the king of the universe. What an amazing God you are. You're the God who's for us. You're the God who's created supernatural beings, angels, who are able to guide and, and direct and strengthen us when we're down, protect us even in ways that we don't always see in this battle that's going on in the spiritual world around us. You are an awesome God. You are a loving God. 
You're a good God who is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. Father God, help us to never forget that. And even when we're in the storms of life, even when we're in the deepest struggles and feelings of despair, God, that we can have hope, that we can realize that we are never alone. That you're the God who who doesn't tell us that everything will always be perfect in this broken world. In fact, you're the God who says in this world we will have trouble. You're honest with us. There will be storms, but you're the God who promises us that even in those storms, we are never alone because you are the God who loves us and walks with us. And even when we don't have the strength, you're the God who can carry us through. And we praise you for that. So God, today we just give you all glory, honor, and praise. We love you. For those who are just feeling beat up today, for those who are struggling with whatever it might be in life, Lord, may your supernatural power and strength be poured onto them. May they be refreshed anew, knowing that you are the God who is for them and you are the God who is with them. We love you, Lord. We we praise you and we give all glory, honor, and praise today. We pray in in the precious name of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you guys. I hope you have an awesome week ahead. And I can't wait to see you guys back next week as we start a brand new series for November called Thankful. Hope to see you guys back next week. God bless.